I think one of the problems with the industry is we have a misalignment of expectations, whether it's on the homeowner or the guest side. And if we can get very clear about expectations, because we're very clear about what those unit expectations are based on the content we create, I think there's a huge opportunity for that. It's the right relationship with the guests and homeowners, but it also is the right move for all of the marketing pieces that we just talked about. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Adam Norco, a former Marine turned hospitality marketer extraordinaire. Adam has spent the last two decades working in sales and marketing for a number of hospitality brands. Everything from the prop tech side of the house to leading growth at vacation rental and STR management companies. In this conversation, Adam and I talk about how marketing has evolved in the vacation rental industry, what shifts the smartest hosts are making right now to prepare for the next generation of guests, the opportunities that exist for entrepreneurs to build new brands and companies in this space, and whether or not the future of hospitality is boutique. We also talk about so much more. You guys are going to freaking love this episode. Adam is wicked smart. He's wonderfully dynamic, and he's a humbly passionate guy. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to all that Adam has to share with us today. Oh, and one last thing before we dive in, I want to give a quick thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, Onores. Onores is the most loved loved and trusted property management software by professional vacation rental managers on the market. Some of my best friends in the industry actually totally swear by Onores, so I'd highly encourage you to check them out. And if you do, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way, and they'll give you an exclusive discount when you decide to purchase their software. All right, folks, without further ado, get ready to meet Adam. All right, Adam. We are live, good sir. Welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am. I'm excited for this chat, man. We connected on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and I've seen some of your stuff just popping into my feed. And love what you're sharing. Love that you know a lot of the people in the industry that I have a lot of respect for. So I'm just uh, thankful that you've made a little bit of time to to sit down and chat with us today. Yeah, not a problem at all. I, I love uh, industry discussions. I think you and I connected uh, with a, a mutual acquaintance with Conrad at, at uh, Build Up Bookings. He's he's fantastic. He's a, a part of our podcast as well. And uh, I'm always a fan of of connecting with like minds and and building the network. Yeah, Conrad is uh, he's awesome. He's been on our show. Uh, he was actually an early guest on our show too. So we'll probably have to have him back on soon. He's he's just so smart, man. He's got he's got loads of uh, insight on on all things marketing and and SEO with respect to vacation rentals and and uh, and STR. So shout out to Conrad, um, dude. I wanna I wanna just go back to not necessarily the the very beginning but early early on in your career so i was doing a little googling of you last night as i was prepping for this interview and i uh, found your linkedin and was scrolling through linkedin and noted that you you spent some time actually working uh or serving i should say in in the marine corps so i i want to understand how does how does a marine go from serving our our nation thank you for your service to actually being a a leader and and um a, a kind of like a builder of brands and companies in in the hospitality space like what's what's that story yeah happy to now i would say that my resume probably has a lot of twists and turns in it the marine corps is, is just one um and it, it started right after high school i i joined uh, while i was in college so i was in the reserves so i think six days after i graduated high school i was down at boot camp I uh, went to Paris Island for whatever it is, 12 weeks, something like that, and was back for college. I went, grew up in Boston, so I went to a small state school in Boston, played soccer there. So I was back for soccer season 12 weeks later. I uh, went back for my my second summer at the time. I, they might still do this where I, you get to split your schooling. So I went back for my second summer, was a heavy machine gunner. Uh, so shot some big guns off of the top of uh, Humvees for about six years while I was in the Marine Corps. Wow. I was never activated. I, I just ended up in a really perfect opportunity where 
the original Gulf War had ended. Seven or uh, 9-11 didn't happen for about a year or so after I had gotten out. So I was just in this perfect opportunity where I never got activated, but served six years while I was going to school. That was uh, really my, my drinking money. I didn't have to go out and get a job while I was hanging out <laughs> at school and was able to go to the reserves. And I, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, a couple of takeaways. One, I, I joined without question because my grandfather was in for 20 years. And I think that's how Marines probably rely on their recruiting processes. If you've got someone in the family, odds are that that person might might pull someone else along. So hmm. that's one side of it. But then the other part was just the, the uh, growing up. I was 18 at the time. So it gave me a really good opportunity to grow up quickly and just see some things that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, whether hmm. that's travel or just doing doing some different jobs that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So looking back on it, it was a great experience, but it wasn't my career path. Wow. Wow. That's a uh... I've got loads of follow-up questions there, but uh, for for you're you're just getting more interesting by the minute. So, I uh, the 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 most like pressing question I have is like, w- when you decided to get out, like, was there, did you have a clear was was there a job lined up? Did you had you learned something about yourself of hey, I really want to go and and work in for a hospitality company. I want to go work in prop tech. Like you, we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that you've done since. But what what was your reason for getting out? Was there a job opportunity that had lined up? So I was not intending to stay in. I, I almost knew from the beginning that I was going to do my six years and get out. Now, I was also going to college at the same time. So I was also building education and then a career path on, on the college side of things. So I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to stay in the Marine Corps, but it was a great experience for me to have. And like I said, to not only build a network of people, but also to see and, and have some additional experiences. So there were a number of different pieces that came into my career process prior to getting to hospitality and vacation rentals. I got out of college and I was uh, in recruiting and, and sales on the recruiting side of things. I moved over to hospitality with my my first endeavor in hospitality was more on the bar side where I was a bar back and a bartender while I was trying to figure out in between a sales role. I was I was intending to potentially open up a fitness center wow. while I was doing that. I, I took my LSATs and decided I was going to go to law school. So I went to law school for a, a year on Hofstra Law. So there were a number of pieces. And then ultimately what happened was I got out of out of my first year of law school, decided that the loans were too high. And I was in Hofstra on Long Island. I, I really didn't want to be a New York City attorney and decided that that wasn't my path. So after a year of law school, you know, I, I did well, made law review, made dean's list, but just decided I wasn't going to continue down that path. So I moved back to Boston and, and started doing real estate investing, did that for a number of years, ended up moving to Charlotte prior to 2008. I, I saw that Things were going to change in, in the real estate industry. Felt like Charlotte was a, a really strong market. It was at the time. But one of the reasons that it was strong is because Wachovia and Bank of America were headquartered there. So when 2008 uh-huh. hit, not only did the real estate take a tumble, but the Charlotte market took a tumble as a whole because that's where the headquarters were. Yeah. And, and all of that happened really quickly. Now, I think that all dovetails into what we're seeing in the industry today. But that was my catalyst to then move from Charlotte over to the Outer Banks, we my family had already migrated from up around Boston down to the Virginia area, and I was just looking to get back to the beach. I, I missed being at the beach and being able to surf. So I ended up on the Outer Banks, and that was my first endeavor into vacation rentals, was starting as a marketing director for a company out here, Seaside Vacations, that managed about 350 homes. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you're, uh, you you got into a, a reputable law school. You decided to not, not, not continue your career in law. You decide to become a beach bum, move to the beach, and uh, start working for a vacation rental company. That's like amazing. That's like that uh, you're you're just you're just sort of like a, a collection of um of of unique stories, right? And maybe maybe even sort of like a collection of contrasts. Some might say, um, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is you you are my favorite kind of people. Um, so okay, so I I want to I want to talk a little bit about marketing and sales because one of the things. I've had uh, you know incredible people come on on the show and and share a lot about sort of the brands that they're building in the hospitality space, right? And how they're thinking through the growth of their respective portfolios. And a lot of these folks, you know, they had a career in tech before, or they, you know, they they were they were in a completely different industry. They maybe made a little bit of money, and then they they decided to kind of like jump into hospitality because I feel like hospitality is having this this moment really where it's it's kind of like a a, a sexy place. It's always been maybe like a sexy industry, but I think. 
really since in the last decade, I, I would argue in large part because of, of Airbnb and really over the last few years in particular, it's become much more of, of an attractive space for people to, to play in and, and to build in, quite frankly, right? But you got into, you, you, you got like a front row seat to what the industry looked like, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of dec- decades ago. And so what, when, when you think about where we're at right now in the industry with respect to our understanding of of marketing and sales and what it means to build a company and and and, and in turn build a brand what are some of the, like the more notable changes from what was to what is now and or any just sort of observations that you've made about where we're at in this moment in history and how that compares to where the industry has been yeah i mean i think there's so much to unpack with with what you just said there and and i'll i'll pull on a few threads and then you know we can circle back to some other ones as we get deeper into the conversation but i think that this industry so i got in in, in 2008 um I, I think that this industry has evolved in a lot of different directions probably in in sort of stages but what I will say is that 2008, when I was getting in, as I mentioned, one of the catalysts for me for, for me to move over here was that the real estate market was adjusting in 2008. And it happened relatively quickly because it was related to banks and real estate was a natural fallout from the banks very quickly. So there was uh, some concern around the vacation rental industry in 2008. I, I stepped into the middle of that. I stepped right before that. And then there was some concern as we went into 2008. Well, there hasn't been any concern in this industry since 2008. It's mm. been going up nonstop since 2008. And then if you look at, at obviously what happened during COVID, it just boomed for a number of, of different reasons. Whether yeah. you look at the number of managers or you look at the ADR or the number of nights booked, like everything has just been on a very steep incline for a long time. So I think that there are a number of variables that are coming together right now that are sort of a perfect storm of transformation and, and revolution. And I agree with you that this is... Uh, has become a, a very sexy place for everyone to kind of build these ideas. And I love it because I think it energizes the entire industry. And your focus on hospitality, I think, is 100% correct. I think that's the next evolution that we're going through is really this renewed focus on hospitality and how do we do hospitality really well. Now, with that said, that's not easy to do. It's especially not easy to do uh, with the disparate inventory of properties that you get with vacation rental managers, and especially as you do it on scale across uh, not only a large number of properties, but a large distance. And then you get the, the factor of unique properties on top of that. Yeah. There's a lot of complexities that come, come with that. But to just circle back to the marketing side of things. So I jumped in at 2008 on the marketing front. Not only was that a time where there were some concerns on the economic side, but it was also a time when the industry, just marketing in general, the internet was, was coming up. So Internet marketing as a whole was starting in 2008, but then it was also starting particular to the vacation rental industry in 2008. When I jumped in, websites were were just sort of turning that corner where it was expected that everyone would have a website, but they they weren't great. Obviously, they needed a lot of improvement, have, have improved quite a bit over the last little bit. I mean, I think websites have stagnated a little bit, especially in this industry. That's probably a, a dovetail of a different conversation. Yeah. But at that time, everything was he- very, very heavily print, like 90% plus print. They used to do, if you were a manager, you used to have to print your books of hundreds of properties that you would then spend thousands, if not, you know, 100,000 to send out to every one of your past guests to get them to look at it by Christmas, to get them to pick their properties and start booking. That has completely changed. And I jumped in at the time where I had the opportunity to leverage that. And that was one of my first opportunities in the industry was to recognize the value of uh, online marketing. I was already doing it because I was uh, doing real estate investing and flipping homes. So I was already sort of on this, what's the best way to market inexpensively and, and online was, was that path. So I brought that knowledge into the vacation rental world and I completely flipped the marketing plan when I joined Seaside Vacations in 2008, they were probably 90% plus print. I flipped them to 90% online by the time I left, you know, five years later. So wow. that's a complete revolution in that five-year period. And there's a lot of learnings that that come along with that. So I think, you know, to your question, I think that from like 2008 to 2012, there was just this really big revolution in online uh, marketing. And that's as a whole, but specific to this industry, it was definitely a revolution around marketing. We'd go to the trade shows and almost every discussion at trade show was around marketing because that was the biggest opportunity to leverage at that point. Yeah. I think that discussion has changed, but we probably have to circle back to talking about marketing again after we think about where the industry is headed next. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's su- such interesting, like context and just, just story. 
So Tyann, you own and operate 20 vacation rentals under two different brands in Missouri. Yes, yes I do. And you're the queen of guest experience at Touchday, which is the leading digital guest guidebook technology worldwide. Yes, I sure am. And you're trusted by thousands of other short-term rental hosts across the world who listen to your podcasts, follow you on social media, and attend your presentations at industry events. Is this correct? It is, and I am honored to be trusted in the industry, yes. So chances are, Tyann, that you you know a thing or two about the different property management software providers in this space. I do, and I love meeting the teams everywhere, um, and I, I know a lot about them, and I'm also very curious and ask questions to learn more because the space is always changing. Yeah, yeah, so I, I am so glad to hear that, and the reason I wanted to have this quick chat with you is because I know that you use Onores for your property management software, and I wanna hear a little bit about why you chose Onores and, and why you love Onores over you know the many other options that are available on the market. So we know there's lots of options, but I had to narrow it down to what my top priorities are. So the first one is I've got to have the communications prowess. I am all about communications. I think that is a key factor to reviews and therefore to better revenue serve. And okay. Just do that again, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Ask me the last question again. Yeah. So there are so many great options in the space, but I want to know why you chose and, and ultimately why you love Onores over over some of the others. Can you could you give us just a couple of reasons why? Yeah, so I look at all the softwares and they all have really great capabilities, but I needed to narrow it down to what I value the most and what software matched up to that. So the first one is the communications prowess. I am all about communications. It is highly important to me and it has a great effect upon my reviews and therefore my revenue. The second one is excellent customer service. And I have this little trick that I do when I'm searching for uh, for software is that I'll send a customer service request in and see how fast they respond, how well they respond, and if I understand their response as well, because I've got to be able to understand when there's a problem. And then the third one is comprehensive capabilities. It has to be powerful to do what I need it to do. And I'm gonna add a fourth one. I need constancy and dependability because I'm running some businesses here and I've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? No one has time for software that doesn't work in the way that you expect it to. Diane, who do you think Onores is the best fit for? Like what kind of host or, or property manager do you think align best with the core product offering at Onores? So a lot of folks immediately think how many properties they have, and then they start narrowing it down to what softwares they should look at. But instead, I want you to think a little bit differently. Look at what you value. So Onores is really excellent for host and property managers who value a software that does what it says it does. Hmm. They don't overpromise, underdeliver. They underpromise and overdeliver is what they really do. Um, Onores is also a product that listens to their users and is nimble to adjust on the key needs of its users. So we're throwing out all kinds of things we want, and they're really good at focusing to the key needs and doing what their users are wanting. Um, and lastly, it is for users who want and need a powerful engine to run their hospitality business. I love it. And so you were using another PMS before Onores. Was Onores the first PMS you used? Uh, how, how hard was it to either move from your old PMS or, or get set up with Onores? So I'm one of those people who's been in this industry a long time. And the first decade was pen and paper and little pocket calendar books. <laughs> and then after, after my very first double booking, uh, one and only, because that is something we all go through at some point or the other, uh, I started searching for some software. I used one. Um, I wasn't too thrilled with the because it was not communications friendly. It was mm. not dependable. It didn't work. Uh, so I went searching again, and that's when I found Onores. That was five years ago. So I've been with them quite a while. And then at that time, it was a simple export import exercise with a spreadsheet. And the most difficult part was the actual the core setup of my account. Mm. Um, definitely a learning curve to it. But that said, it's also a very logical setup that if you take it step by step, you can finish it. Just keep in mind that it's not this super flashy, simple thing because the system is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think that that's a really honest review 
And from everything I've seen of the actual product, it does seem incredibly logical. For, for our listeners, we've partnered with Onares to give new customers a 30% discount on their first three months. So when you talk to the team there, just mention behind the stays. If you just go through the checkout process, you can use the discount code BTS30 to get 30% off. But again, you can also just talk to a team member there, say that you heard about them on behind the stays and they will honor this discount. Tyan, any final words of encouragement as to why listeners should go and, and give Onares a, a closer look? Onares is a solid product. It's built by host and property managers themselves, and they understand our needs, working diligently to solve them with continuous updates to the software. I mean, I seriously could not run both my brands with 20 properties and growing with a very small human team, while also giving my time to the industry as a whole as Touch Day's queen of guest experience and sharing my knowledge at conferences and events worldwide without Onares. Well, folks, don't take it from me. Take it from one of the industry's most influential voices and just go and give Onares a closer look. Even if you're not in the market right now, you might be in the market later. Just go check them out. And you know, if and when you are ready to sign up, be sure to mention behind the stays or use the discount code BTS30 at checkout to get 30% off of your first three months. Tayan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, Zach. It's so easy to sort of think and, and, and forget how how far the industry has come in a relatively like short period of time. And yeah. and one of the one of the things I, I I'm just curious about is when I think about my friends and my family and and going to, you know, the beach, right? Like vacation rentals, at least in my circles, was sort of like synonymous with like going to the beach. Like you'd ever you'd go rent a beach house for like a week. Like people weren't at least in, again in my circles people weren't really going to the mountains super frequently like the, the thing to do was to book especially in the dc metro area book, book like a week at the outer banks right like that's what people yeah. did um and you know for for many years my friends and and you know their their families would like book the same house right so you, you, you to your to your earlier point you, you'd have clients call you know people handing out the books like trying to get people to book their house right around christmas for the following summer and, and and it was this big thing of like oh my gosh we get we have to get this house now right as as i have watched myself and, and my peers behavior as it pertains to travel and where we like to go and and whatnot is even if we've had a great experience at a place we're we're we're, we're quite unlikely to go back to that actual place right and it's much more about ooh what's the next cool place we could stay and so could you just i'm just curious could you speak at all to to this sort of like transformation in in consumer preferences, is it is it a generational thing? Is it is it more? No, this is this is just you know this just speaks to the internet and the internet's role in helping elevate other places people could go and other experiences people could have. How 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 would you sort of comment, if at all, on this transition? If you agree that this transition has happened between how people think about travel and and, and specifically about like where they're going to stay. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. It's all theoretical, right? You and I are just, you know, what do we have? What are our ideas about these particular ideas that we might might think and see? But I think that it's an important time in the industry to be theoretical. I think that it's an important time in this industry to start to have some of these deeper discussions and start to steer where we think the industry should go. And that this will come out as we continue to discuss where we think the, the next evolution in the industry is. But I, I think you can't deny what you're saying. And I I don't think it's, I think maybe some of it's generational, right? There are, there are some different needs. And I, I think that each generation becomes a little bit different. And especially with the technology and the changes in the technology that the last few generations have had, you know, you, you go from me born in 1977 to barely having color TV and moving into cable and moving into internet, moving into cell phones to, to some people that did, were born without the internet and very quickly had the internet, very quickly had cell phones to people today that are born with all of it in their hands and they're using devices from, from the very beginning. So I think that just naturally with that exposure to technology, the needs are going to change and the, the habits are going to change. So part of that I do think is generational. Part of it I do think is related to technology. Yeah. But the the bigger discussion around all of this, I, I think, is is what is next and how do we determine what is next? So yeah. whenever I've been in, in this particular industry, and maybe that's sort of my path on life as we look through all the different pieces as I'm trying to think about what is that next thing? Well, in this industry, I've tried to make sure that I think about what is the next step because 
we are coming in at a time still, I started in 2008 and I thought that, but I still believe it today, more so today than ever. We're building this industry collectively. All of us who are in this are building it collectively. We're still very, very new in this industry. You know, you look back and hotels have, you know, hundreds of years ahead of us and building things out, processes and ideas and beliefs and systems. We're still doing that today. So yeah. I think there's a lot of value in starting to steer and, and build this. But I, I just wonder because I went from being trying to be on the front edge of marketing to trying to be on the front edge of smart home control to trying to be on the front edge of operations. Today, I'm, I'm working on the vacation rental side of on the club side of things, which I think has a lot of opportunities as this as the industry evolves. But to your point about behaviors and how people are marketing, we've got to think about what comes next. And I think that's the biggest question. I think that over the last few years, the trends have allowed all of us to become a bit complacent. Everything mm -hmm. was very, very easy in a lot of different ways. Funding was very easy. Reservations were easy. Marketing was easy. Revenue was easy. Getting a new home was easy. Buying a new home was easy. All of it was easy. And I don't think that the easy is going to continue. So when easy stops, then I think there's going to be something that adjusts. Not mm -hmm. I can't tell you exactly what that is. I don't know what that is. But then I think there's something else the new element that's unique. And, and this comes along every once in a while where you get something new that changes things. And I think AI is the piece that changes things. So when you and I talk about booking behaviors today, we tend to think about uh, booking windows more than anything, because that's yeah. in essence what you're saying, right? You used to book earlier, now we're booking later and we're not booking with the same property, but we'll look around. And I think Airbnb gave us all that ability really quickly. You can look at everything anywhere. It's not hard. You don't have to go to direct websites. But I think that AI has the potential to change the way we all search. Mm. If all we do is go into AI and say, I want to look for X, Y, and Z in X, Y, and Z location, and AI does the rest of that search, then I think it changes the way we do things. Now, yeah. I don't know how that adjusts our booking window, but I, I definitely think that it changes how we do searches in marketing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You are you're just like full of knowledge and ideas, man. This is, this is, this is already like way more enjoyable and interesting than I thought it was going to be. Not that I, not that I thought it wasn't going to be enjoyable or interesting, but this is uh, all, all my gears are going. Uh, so, so, okay, let's, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So I couldn't agree with you more in terms of how AI is going it, to, it's changing every industry. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's especially going to be fun for, for the hospi hospitality space. And the reason being that trying to figure out where you want to go and like, describe that to a search engine is just so tough, quite frankly. Like if you actually yep. think about it, right, your word for luxury and what that means to you versus what it might mean to me could be totally different things, right? And yet every other property thinks that they're like a luxury property, right? Or, or has like high-end finishings, right? S same thing with sort of like beautiful, right? The the, the adjective beautiful, right? Or, or uh, amazing views, right? All these things are are just are words that we use that people use to describe specific places and specific experiences but they mean fundamentally th different things they feel fundamentally different to to one guest uh, as compared to to another right and so what's cool about the entrance of generative ai and the the ability to communicate in natural language with these tools right is you can be much, 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 much more specific with what you're actually going for. Like, what is the ambiance that you want, right? Your your vacation rental to have, or hey, you know what? Maybe, and you could you can set preferences, right? Like, like you know what? I'd like to be on the beach, but I, you know, the most important thing is actually that we have a chef's kitchen and like incredibly lush bed. So even if we have to end up walking a couple blocks to the beach, like whatever, that's fine. Prioritize X over Y, right? And the ability to have this curation happen with with some of these tools as they continue to evolve. I would argue that many of them actually aren't there yet. Um like the uh, you know, I used Expedia's bot a while ago and it was like is honestly a pretty disappointing experience. Like they Expedia built a ChatGPT plugin and I, I was just pretty uh, pretty underwhelmed to be honest. But right, we're so so freaking early with all these tools and and they're getting better yep. literally by like the day, right? So by the time this publishes in a few days, things could be totally different, right? Uh, but all that is to say is that we're, we're being equipped with more tools and more resources than ever before to customize in very in very like easy ways what, to be able to find what we're, what we're actually looking for. So what, what, what I think is, is particularly interesting about this moment is I, I really think the standard is going to go way up, right? The, the, everyone's going to, if, if you want to compete in a meaningful way, 
it, it really like does like location like the fact that you are on the actual beach if your house is not if if if, if it isn't insta worthy i would argue that the generation of travelers that are emerging, the generation of travelers that are now having now have access to disposable income and want to go and, and, and stay in nice places. By the way, many of these people can work remotely, right? Like these folks, they care more about a, a, a gorgeous space than they do where it's actually located. And I think that generally, generationally, that that's going to be a hard thing to contend with. Like I think about my parents and it's all about going to this particular beach that they go to and they've been going to this particular beach for 20 years and you know, it, it really doesn't they don't really care what the house is like as long as it can fit everybody and it's on you know the beach i do think that we're seeing these shifts in in sort of like consumer expectations uh as as people care a little bit more about how a place feels versus where a place actually is what what do you think about that and and like would you agree disagree like what what are your thoughts there yeah, I, so I 100% agree. It's very interesting to hear you say that um, the standards will rise. I, I agree with that. I hadn't thought about it that way. And that's why I, I think that these discussions are so important, especially as we go through this transformation, to get a lot of uh, great minds thinking about these things and talking about these things is important because, as I was saying, we're, we're guiding the growth of this industry. Now, I think it's even more important because AI can only go out and look at the content that we put out there to create. So yeah. we're almost seeding the content that we want AI to find. So we're driving the discussions that should be had and, and AI can learn the way we want it to learn. So it's really interesting to see this flywheel and this this feedback loop that starts to happen when we when we start to go down this path. But if you think about you know the the examples that you just gave there. You know, the first one I'll, I'll say generational, the what they're looking for versus, you know, younger generation versus may, maybe your parents. I would argue that uh, in order to stand out for that younger generation who might be more discerning. Now, maybe they want to go to the same location, but they want to find that perfect house or maybe they just want to find the perfect house and it, it doesn't matter the location. Either way, I don't think it matters because in the end, what they're asking for is a really well thought out which turns into marketing and hospitality, a really well thought out property description and an understanding of, of what those listings are. So yeah. to your point about standards being raised, I think the, I agree with that. I think that the people who do a couple things really well, one, get the right units and have the right units. And if that's the case, then you're going to see a lot of the wrong units fall out of the market, which is a whole different discussion to have about how the impacts of that might happen. But you have to find the right units to stand out. And then you have to create the listing in a way that everyone can find that. And if yeah. we're talking about really at the end of the day, we're talking about AI finding it. Well, now we're in a race to create these really strong listings, really strong content that gives all of that personalization that you talked about, because I think at the end, it's going to come down to personalization. And we can talk about that a little bit on the AI side. But that means we have to have really deep listings that have all of this information. Yeah. The other next step in that evolution. Now, I would also say to talk about your parents, I think they'll get the benefit of us doing that. That's yeah. the right marketing thing for us to do anyway, yeah. even though we're doing that maybe for the younger generation. The parents and the older generation will get the benefit of that because it's the right thing to do for travel, hospitality, property listings, marketing. It's the right reason to do it. Now, if you take that one step further, then you start to question, and this is a hot take that that we've been talking about on our podcast with, with Amy Hynote. She's the first one that introduced this idea to me but we are really digging into this with the guys from Adaptive, with Amy. We're, we're talking about AI quite a bit. But if you take our discussion that we're having right now one step further, you start to wonder where the fit is for the OTAs. Hmm. How do the OTAs fit back in? Now, so you mentioned you went to Expedia and looked at yours. Well, if the big picture of AI is that it gets hyper-personalized for us and we almost have an assistant that you know maybe have plugins to our own assistant for travel or however we want to do it, then you start to wonder, why would I go to Expedia's AI? Why yeah. wouldn't I go to my AI and have it find the right units, regardless of where those units are? Yeah. And then I would argue that the AI is going to look for the source of that information, which brings you back to the property manager doing the right things around that listing and doing the right things around marketing. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I I love that. I love that thought. Um, and I think that that's, that's uh, quite frankly, the question that people are having at even much higher levels, way outside of hospitality, right. around will will folks opt for a single assistant, somebody that like knows me, like an a, an, an AI agent that really understands me and my preferences, or will folks wind up inter interfacing with 
multiple agents that are specialized in a particular category, right? And and I right. think it's just too early for us to, to quite know how all this totally will agree. shake out, but but really helpful to, to think through. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. To, to your point, though, about what, what what is the role of the OTA? One of the things I was talking with a few buddies over a happy hour last week, and I we were just talking about someone was talking about going. I think they were going to like Bermuda or something. Anyways, we were just we were talking about vacations and like hotels and and blah blah blah. And and th- these folks don't understand like the podcast that I do. Like like they don't they don't understand like short term. They don't even know what the heck a short term rental means. You know whatever. Yeah. This so they're not in the industry. But how the conversation progressed is we're like, we were all remarking how we used to all go to, you know, Expedia to like book our hotels. But now we actually all just book direct with the hotels because they, it ends up being, because we've all had the, that experience where you show up at the hotel and they're like, well, oh, so sorry, sir. Uh, Mr. Boozy Cruz, you booked through Expedia and therefore we yep. can't do anything for you basically, right? Like we can't, we right. can't give you an upgrade. We can't do that. Oh, you know, you, you have this issue. I'm so sorry. You're going to have to take it up with Expedia, right? And you, once you once you've had that experience, you know maybe maybe you can stomach it once, but once you've had it like two or three times and you've had some issue and they've routed you back to the OTA, you're like screw it. And quite frankly, because of because of how easy it is to access, you know, data around pricing and availability now, right? As tech has just gotten so much better, the price differences right between booking with an OTA and Expedia it used to be substantial. Now now it's like nothing it you know maybe maybe you save 10 bucks or whatever like but it, it's so minuscule that it's 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 totally worth it just for you know peace of mind to book direct so anyways yep. if you look at hotels is sort of the model like that and we were all remarking again we're all very different people we were all remarking that 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 is how our behavior has changed right so thinking about what that means for for this space i think the 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 biggest challenge from my perspective anyways is that vacation rentals short-term rentals, you know, folks that have built really cool boutique hospitality brands, they have really, really crappy website experiences. Like on the whole, on the whole, it just, it's just not, it, they just don't work well. Like it, like yeah. there are a few examples of people that have done it right. But like the, I've talked about this a zillion times in the show beyond just the UX and UI of the site, like the actual like direct booking software that a lot of these folks use, it's just still so freaking clunky. Like I was on one yesterday doing a little like secret shopper experiment and it looks so spammy. And had I not known the, the short-term rental from Instagram and not known that, okay, these people have like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, like they're clearly a reputable property. Had I not, had it not been for that social proof, there's no way in hell, like I would ever consider giving it my credit card because it just looked so sketchy, right? And the, 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 these are folks that have invested a ton of money in their time, you know, and time in their brand, let alone folks that that haven't done so. So I feel like where we're at, and I'd love your thoughts on this in terms of vacation rentals and short-term rentals. While while hotels might have figured this out, right? And and I would still argue there's a long way to go with with hotel, you know, tech not knowing anything about the, that industry to be to be you know transparent here. I, I feel like the vacation rental and short-term rental markets are are still significantly far behind, you know, the, where Marriott and 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 the Hiltons of the world are today. Um, from a website wise, I would definitely agree with you. Now, I, so I think that as a whole, I would say that uh, tech has not made a lot of great progression in this industry, probably in hospitality. I think maybe on the restaurants, you could ar- argue that point of sale technology advanced pretty quickly because everyone saw the opportunity, that and reservations. Yeah. Like everyone yeah. saw the opportunity to really move those two pieces pretty quickly. Outside of that, I don't think that there's been a lot of huge 
tech innovation in hospitality, hotels and vacation rentals specifically in the last 10 years or so. Now, the companies I work for, I, I believe in, and, and I, I went those directions for the reason I think that there's advances there, right? Like I think Point Central and Keyless Access and Smart Home Controllers, there's a lot of value and, you know, we could dig in there. I think that there's value in Breezeway and op in operations. I think that there's there's value there and text messaging and automating on, on some of this. But at the same time, when I give those two examples, it also changed the industry in the sense that uh, it made things more remote and more automated. So now you're missing some of that hospitality piece. Yeah, yeah. Now you could take the same technology discussion and go in the direction of the PMS. You could go in the same direction of the websites. To your point, the website technology has not advanced at all in this industry. It has a lot to do with the booking engine that's behind it. And if you don't, you, you've got to get a booking engine. You can't just go to Squarespace and yeah. set up a website because there's a lot of good looking websites. And you wonder, well, why, do, why doesn't every vacation rental manager have a good looking website? It's because you got to get a booking engine behind it that totally changes the, the game once you start to talk about that. And if you don't have the right vendors that are innovating and creating those things, then the industry gets stagnant. And I, yeah. I think we got there. You know, I think the, the thing that Airbnb did really well when they splashed on the scene in whatever, 2010, 2012, was their UX on their app was great. It made it really, really easy to book a property, to search a property on an app. They were the first ones that really, really did it. And that is honestly the last like big tech innovation that I think changed the way that that the booking habits happen. Yeah, I think that there have been improvements like the ones I mentioned on the operational side, and I think those were significant improvements. But the homeowners and the guests don't care about the operation side or the PMS. All they yeah. care about is the is the experience that they're having on the booking side and then on the service side. And I think there's a huge opportunity for that to improve. I, I think that all of this technology is stale and outdated. Now, I, I think that the opportunity, and at least the one that I'm I'm painting, because I agree with you that um, the, you know this, there's still a question as AI is moving quickly, but we don't know what the pace of it really is. And we also don't know, to your point, is everybody gonna gravitate towards their own personal uh, tool or are we gonna use a lot of different tools? And you can see that all of the companies are banking on the idea that they'll use these individual tools because yeah. they have to bank on that idea. What else would they do? Yeah. So they're all expecting us to go to Airbnb and booking and use their AI tool. Yeah. I don't know that that's the case. I'd argue in the other direction and say that I'm gonna get a personal one and I'm gonna let it do my, my thing. But with all that said, I think that we've got to figure out how to get better at marketing back to that, that original discussion about building out the content. We've got to get much better at marketing and making that guest and homeowner experience more enjoyable, which ultimately gets to, to hospitality. We've been talking about the, the unreasonable hospitality concept and really driving into hospitality and the way we make, me, make people feel and thinking about the bigger experience. I think that's the next evolution. And part of that is making people comfortable when they look at your marketing. If you go to the website and you're afraid to put in your credit card, then it needs improvement. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What are, what are some of the things so obviously AI as, as sort of an underlying technology is going to, as it's doing to every industry, it's going to, it's going to disrupt. It's going to bring about uh, significant changes in how, in how tech works and, and uh, you know, how we, how we find prospective guests, how we nurture those relationships, et cetera. The, the whole sort of customer lifecycle marketing uh, uh, will, will be affected by, by AI. But what are some specific ideas or, or other things that, that you've been thinking through about how to sort of level up 
the hospitality game. Like whether it's a specific marketing tactic or strategy or channel that folks should be paying more attention to, whether it's really just about obsessing over guest experience in in, a, in particular ways. Like what are the things that you think about at night when you're discerning and and sort of trying to brainstorm what the what the future of the space might look like? Yeah, and, and we're trying to make some of these changes right now. So I, we are definitely thinking through these. Now, what I would say is I'd go back to that same answer of the discussion we were just having. I think this is a marketing revolution that we're in the process of. I think that this is the same type of marketing revolution that we had in 2008. We're having it again right now where we should invest anyone who's a property manager. And, and this goes back into the same discussion around anyone who jumped into the industry and has been heavily reliant on OTAs, you know, specifically Airbnb and I understand why it's the full package. If you're somebody who has someone, a home that you want to stand up very quickly and have a marketing platform, have a communications platform, have an accounting platform, all of it's in in one piece. I understand why people have, have gone down that path because again, like I said earlier, it was easy, but I would encourage everybody who wants to stay in this vacation rental, short-term rental game. We have to start thinking about direct booking and building out our own presence because if this game changes, if the OTAs, uh, the relationship that they have with the with the market and with the industry adjusts because of all the changes we're talking about, then you've got to build it out for yourself. And I think that's the right answer for everybody who's a manager, whether you've got thousands of properties or one property, build out your presence online and build it out really, really deep so that everybody understands everything about your unit so that all the expectations are correct. I think one of the problems with the industry is we have a misalignment of expectations, whether it's on the homeowner or the guest side. And if we can get very clear about expectations, because we're very clear about what the, those unit expectations are based on the content we create, I think there's a huge opportunity for that. It's the right relationship with the guests and homeowners, but it also is the right move for all of the marketing pieces that we just talked about. So I think doubling down on marketing, pictures, content around the properties, getting back to blogs, getting really deep on area, getting really deep on experiences, I think experiences is the next opportunity. We've never done very well as an industry of tying experiences back to vacations, right? We And I, I say this from time to time, that the house is just the tool, right? They're, they're getting to that house so that they could go have an experience for a week or whatever it is in that particular location. We as an industry need to start thinking about the overall vacation, the overall experience. And I don't think we've done enough of that. There's some companies who try to bridge that gap and, and there's some there's definitely value there, but I think we need to do a better job of that. We also have never done a good job of loyalty and mm -hmm. this might get us into some bigger discussions around branding, but you know, we've never, as an industry, we've never done a good job of loyalty. I think there's an opportunity with some loyalty programs that, that might come into play. And then, you know, ultimately I, I think that um, one of the next things for us to, to continue to think about is how we, we streamline the relationship and the experience with the guests themselves. Now, over time, I think we want to build a relationship with all of the homeowners, but I think you have a bigger window of opportunity to do that. And you should do that from the first moment you talk to them, just continue to cultivate that relationship. But I think the bigger opportunity is on the guest side. And I think it's, uh, and I don't know if you've read it, but Unreasonable Hospitality is the book that, that we talk about in our podcast. And that the book focuses on a number one restaurant in the world in New York City that takes the time to listen and build a small relationship with the guests at each one of the tables and tries to find an opportunity to give them something, some sort of memory or experience. Hmm. I think that we can do that as an industry very easily. I, not easily, simple, not easy. It's yeah. complex yeah. to do it, but I think that we can adjust. We're already talking to these guests on a number of different levels. What we need to do is start to connect with them and build that relationship. And I, I ultimately, I think that that's what sales is in general, right? That's why you are able to do it with the homeowners as you build that relationship. But we need to do that with the guests in a smaller amount of time and just find opportunities to make it special. Yeah. And you know, I'll give you one example from, from what we're doing because we're trying to do this right now internally as well. And we had a guest email in to our call center and say, you know, I paid for a pet fee, but my, my pet has passed away. Can I waive the pet fee? So immediately we said, yes, obviously we'll waive the pet fee. But in addition to that, the customer service agent who took that email then went on Amazon and looked for a small gift found some wind chimes that had to do with the pet passing away and left that in the unit so that when the guests arrived, they found this small gift as a token of our gratitude and, and just saying, you know, a remembrance for the pet. Wow. Now that's not a huge thing that it's, it's, it's simple. It's not yeah. easy, right? Yeah. There are a lot of steps in that process to get to it. So that's where our vision is, is how can we sort of follow that unreasonable hospitality side of things? 
but I think there's going to be steps in order to get there and you got to build out the processes to get there. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great example uh, and, and such a beautiful, such a beautiful story. And it's also, it probably also wasn't that expensive, right? To, to pull something like that off and like the value yeah. and the perception and the perceived perception around your brand from that token of, 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 uh, of appreciation. And, and really, it really, it's just like a, a token of attention, right? Like you, you were paying attention and you, right. you, you were thoughtful and that's going to, that's going to carry on for decades probably to come for, for that individual. I want to, I want to ask about sort of how, how this all happens, right? Because, and, and the way that I actually want to frame this question is there are more and more boutique operators that are popping up right and and some of these folks have like the wonders of the world which i've talked about uh, several times on this podcast they're trying to like verticalize the whole experience uh around booking and staying in in a particular kind of home a smart home and all their homes sort of like look they have the same aesthetic like it, they're very careful about their brand they also have a very small portfolio right now then there are other you know much larger operators like you know the costcos of the world there's like licensing that that happens there's franchising that happens like wh- having been around the industry for a while like what wh- what model do you think is most exciting getting into you know the next 5 to 10 years here like should folks are we going to see is is it is it, be- is it easier to do this unreasonable hospitality thing that you're that you're talking about here when you're working for a large operator that has those resources that has maybe the name brand recognition where they can justify this as a, as a worthy investment. Is this something that can really only happen at like the boutique level? Like, like how do you think about the future of whether, whether it's, it's more beneficial for folks to either join, you know, larger operators and, or really sort of like lean into, to boutique, like where, how, how do you think about this and, and, and what, what, what gets you most excited? Yeah. So I think that there's going to be a number of levels to that answer. And I think there are a number of areas where we could see winners and ultimately see losers. Now, what I would say is this industry over the course of history, and there's been a a few examples, but there's some notable ones that, that we're all aware of right now. There's never been anyone who really scaled nationally. And I I think you can think about scaling in two different ways. You can think about scaling as a brand, and then you can think about scaling as as an operation. And I would argue that on, on both of those, we've never seen anyone that has truly scaled in any meaningful way. From a branding perspective, the general public does not know the brands in this industry. You yeah. know, to your point about your your lunch the other day around hotels, not only did people not know what vacation rentals are, they don't know Vacasa. You know, they don't yeah. know these large brands that that we know of in this industry. So I don't think anyone successfully branded at scale, and operationally, I don't think anybody successfully had an operations at scale. Now I'm talking about you know national scale, sixty thousand units. You look at what Vacasa is doing, and I think one of the areas where they've fallen most short and probably what the industry is most vocal about is on the operational side. I think scaling operations is exceptionally difficult. And we could talk about that at different levels. You know, there's a difference between one and versus 10 and 10 versus 50 and 50 to 500, but 60,000 is, you know, that's a whole different ball game to, to start to think about scaling like that. So I do think that there is value in branding overall. So I'll, I'll go through a few different layers that I think could please, evolve in this. Please. So, you know, I, I, there's going to be fallout to your point of if if standards are raising in everything that we're talking about because the um, economics of the industry are compressing, whether that's an overall economic pressure or reduction of people coming or a oversupply. There's a number of reasons why you could see just a, an overall compression on the market. So if the overall market starts to compress, we're going to see some things fall out. Now, that will have an impact on OTAs. That could have an impact on OTAs from a revenue perspective and the tools and the innovation that they do. But it's also going to have an impact on the searches that people do. And maybe they become less reliant on OTAs because they're not finding the units that they want or there's not enough variety. Or you go down the path of AI and and the relationship with OTAs could, could change. However, I still think that for the foreseeable future, there will be a layer of people that continue to use OTAs as sort of their primary way of managing a small, very small inventory of properties. Then I think you could look at a company like Evolve, which has, they're sort of the the source of all of these units and they manage all the marketing, but then they don't manage the operations. I see that as an opportunity that can scale Hmm. because you're forcing the homeowner to deal with the hardest part of 
the industry, but it's also the part that they can be the best at because they're local and they know the property and the homeowners individually can't collectively do what Evolve's doing. So I think that there's some value in what I see in, in Evolve's business model. Then, you know, the national brand trying to race to go public, we're going to see that play out over the next few months. And I think that's going to be telling. Now, I think the the problem that I have with the overall story that's going to potentially fall out there is what the overall storyline is for the industry as a whole. And what yeah. kind of black eye does the industry get when there's a fallout? And I don't know what that fallout is. We could we could hypothesize what it is. But if if there is, then do people who gets burned and who it becomes untrustworthy and how long does that lack of trust last? I think that that's a potential risk for all of us. Now, what I will say is that I, I have a belief in the franchise model, and this is a little bit outside of our discussion today, but part of what I do uh, on our vacation rental club, which is Travel Advantage Network, we've got a side business uh, called Casago Del Mar. So I am a part of Casago. We've we've chosen to go with Casago for some, some, some clear reasons. Now, part of that plays into the travel club because we have an opportunity to help the overall franchisees grow with some of the things that we do with the travel club. But outside of that, we chose to go with Casago because uh, one, I believe in their tech stack. I, I know the tech stack that they've got in there for my time in the industry. I believe in the leadership. I think that they've got the right mindset and the right um, perspective of where this industry should go. Yeah. And I believe that when you when you bring a number of different operators together and start to guide them in the same direction, there's a lot of potential power that can come from that. However, at the end of the day, Casago is just sort of the umbrella that's bringing us all together. We're all individually owned and individually operated within our market. Yeah. So you don't have a parent company that's directing. You have a parent company that's guiding and offering direction or offering discounts because we're all working together. But you still get to make your own decisions. You still have to operate on a local level. And I think it, in the end, and this is what sort of led me down this path originally with your question is vacation rentals, I think, are drive to. If you think about all of the successful markets, it's mm. whatever, pick a number, six, eight hours are the drive-through markets to come in. Yeah. In the United States, anyway, we don't have a huge fly-in market for vacation rentals. So I think locally, you can definitely establish a very well-known brand. Nationally, I think it's it's tough, and I, I don't know it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I, uh, so, many, so many hot takes. This is great. What do you think? Are you familiar with... Uh, Travis and Rebecca's the 100 yes. collection model. Like, what do you what do you think about approaches like that? I love it. I, in fact, I think it's it's similar to the reason why we went with Casago, and and we'll most likely um, have a home or two with the 100 collection as well. I think what what is happening, yeah, is that you're establishing communities, yeah. and through those communities, you have uh, some. Potential bigger power within the industry because you've got some like minds who are steering things in the right direction, going back to what we were talking about before, us all building this together. Well, if we get the right communities all guiding in the right direction, you get this power that comes behind these groups. And then the other thing that I think you're starting to establish is, is trust back to the market, trust yeah. back to the consumer. And, and that's one that I would argue nobody has been able to crack. Yeah. But at some point, if 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 the industry keeps growing and the popularity and the notoriety of the industry continues to grow, you would think at some point there'll be some sort of tipping point where people start to recognize something. Yeah. Is it Casago? Is it the Hundred Collection? Is it something that we haven't thought of? Right now, everybody recognizes Airbnb. Yeah. But that's going to be a hard one for Airbnb to win in the long run because they they lack control over every other aspect other than listing the property. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, so interesting. I I, I do wonder what, what I what I what I see. And again, I you know I, I'm brand new and I'm sort of I'm still just I'm like a sponge, just soaking everything in. Um, I but I did spend the last decade in growth marketing, and one of the things that I've just observed is. Wander's approach in particular, they've approached from day one trying to build an incredible consumer-facing brand. Like they understand, yeah. while well operationally, like they're very small. Obviously, you know they're 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 venture-backed and they have a lot they have a lot to prove. Um, but what one of the things that I think that they've done so successfully is they have built a super super compelling travel brand, right? Um, that that is resonating with you know, my peers, uh, at, at least, right? And so what when I think about the 100 collection, and I think about, uh, um, 
I don't know what I, it's Casago is, is how you say it. Yeah. Okay, e- either you. one. Sorry. I know sorry. we struggle with no, that I'm, all the time. Either I, one. Well, because you think it'd be like Casa, like house go or something, but it, and Casago. It is like that. They oh, use both okay. Of them. Okay. Well, that's really confusing. Uh, talk about branding, right? Um, anyways, right. point being that, you know, the, the, I think these models are super interesting and super compelling. And, and Travis and Rebecca and I had, had an incredible conversation about like loyalty and what we thought that that would, how that would actually play out in, in, in this space. But right, uh, it, it is it is incredibly difficult to get a guest right to search and 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 develop affinity for something like the 100 collection. If you're trying to build that as a as a consumer facing brand, that is an incredible amount of work, like an incredible right. amount of work. It doesn't matter if someone stays in your property and they see a little like QR code for like a discount next time they stay, or whatever. Like still, if they if they booked through Airbnb, unfortunately, they're still going to. You're, the consumer is still going to see your place as a quote unquote Airbnb. And so I I think what will be really interesting is who are the companies that might be might start out building an incredible consumer facing brand and then just build out more inventory from there. I don't know. I, I think if you're really trying to get more guests interested in building loyalty with your brand and building direct bookings, I think you have to care much more about the consumer facing brand than you do the 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 internal facing brand, right? Obviously that that's important as well. You you have to have inventory, right? Um it, it, you know, especially if you, whether whether you're franchising uh, you know, or, or you're doing something like the 100 collection is, you you absolutely need the inventory, but the inventory is worthless. It, it's pointless, right? Without a loyal following of people that are going to search first and foremost for the 100 collection Tennessee and see what properties you might have there, right? Like that, that is a, that is a mountain, right? But, but right. If you can summit that mountain, there's, there's incredible success behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard on a lot of different levels, right? And I could see it on both sides of this, right? I agree with you that Wander is starting from the ground up with that vision in mind. How do I create this stack and how do we make it really, really effective? Doing that at scale, I think becomes really difficult. And there's been a lot of smart people with a lot of money that haven't been able to figure those pieces out. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to grow. And I think there are a number of companies that are, that could be onto something. And you know, I, I want to stay open-minded and think that somebody's going to figure out how to nail this. But this is a messy industry, and there's no no way around it, right? There's there's a lot of pieces that have to happen on the ground from an operations perspective that just becomes really difficult to manage once you get to a certain scale or when you try to do it uh, remotely or outside of of the local location. Now, on the on the hundred collection side, I, I completely agree. I mean, trying to build out a brand that is even outside of the direct listings that could become that much loyalty today, you know, it's going to be a, a hard road, but at the same time, I think they've gotten visions of how to build out a loyalty program associated yeah. with that. Now yeah. go, that goes back to my other point that I don't think this industry has ever really done loyalty very well. And I'd argue that there's probably a little bit of a revolution going through loyalty just as a whole. I think hotels are probably changing loyalty programs uh, I think you know airlines are probably in the process. So this is probably a good time for a solid loyalty program to enter the market. Yeah. But what does that look like? And to your point, how do you get consumers to have affinity to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it's tough. But right, what, what what I hope our listeners can garner from this conversation is there is just an incredible opportunity. Like there is so much opportunity right now in this space. There's so much opportunity to build. There's so much opportunity to to scale. There's so much opportunity to just, you know, uh, help sort of define, help answer all these questions, right? Like help be the solution to these problems and these opportunities that, that we've highlighted. So I just get jazzed because it, it feel everybody loves to travel, right? Everybody loves experience. Everybody loves hospitality in some way, shape, or form. It is a massive, massive, massive industry that has changed dramatically over the last decade. It's changed dramatically over the last few years with COVID. And there is still a significant number, I think the latest stat I saw, 30% of folks in the U.S., right, that still have flexibility with respect to kind of where they work. That is that is not going away for many companies. For they might have to do some hybrid once a week or you know whatever. But but work has fundamentally changed, right? And people's ability to travel and when they travel, I, you know, I don't need to even talk about this because everyone listening to this knows. But like it has changed so fundamentally, and that just happened. Like 
that just happened, right? We have no, we, we are just starting to understand and make sense of like what that actually means for the future of the industry. So all that is to say is that there's so much opportunity. It's fun. There's no like, like the rules are being like rewritten and everyone I think who wants to do something meaningful here needs to connect with smart people, find allies and figure out, okay, hey, how do we build something like the 100 collection? What does loyalty look like? I don't know. You don't know either. Great. Let's try to figure it out, right? And the folks that seize those opportunities, I think, at the very least are going to learn a lot. And, you know, they might even be remarkably successful. I completely agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that this is probably the most exciting time to be in this industry. Not only is hospitality as a whole changing, but vacation rentals, short-term rentals are the best sector in hospitality. It's the most enjoyable. It's the best experience. Us as managers have the opportunity to build this really strong relationship with our guests and to make the guest experience really, really valuable and, and meaningful at the end. So I think that if we double down on experience, if we double down on the hospitality of side of things and, and start to fix some of the gaps that we see in the industry, huge opportunity. But to your point, we've got to come together. We're, we're all building this together right now. And there's going to be some people that fall out the bottom because the last few years had a huge boom. And it's probably right for some people to move on to some other pieces. But there's going to be a core of this industry that continues to drive it forward. And now's the opportunity for us to literally go out and create the content that AI is going to search and write the own story that that we're building together. So I'm I'm excited to be here and I, I appreciate the time today, Zach. Yeah, Adam, this has been this has been a great conversation. Really, really thankful for you and the work that you're doing and the and the energy that you bring to the space. So glad we got the opportunity to connect here. For folks that want to connect with you and or just stay in touch, uh, ask you some follow up questions. Uh, you you guys you have a podcast called the Art of Hospitality Podcast, which is awesome. We'll link that below as well. So guys, go if you liked, which you know you must have liked what Adam had to share today. Uh, be sure to check out his his podcast. I'll be sure to link to your LinkedIn profile too in the comments below. Adam, anywhere else you'd you'd want to direct folks if they want to connect? I think that's perfect. Just go to the podcast. And if you want to DM me on, on LinkedIn, I think that's a good place to start. Wonderful. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Zach. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.